welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Good morning, Hope City Church. It's nice to see all of you, or at least to be seen by all of you. I wish I was there with you in person. I wish Gene was here with me and with you in person. But we're so grateful that we get a moment, that I get a moment to share my heart. And so I just want you to know that God is working in all of our midst, even in these, these desperate, interesting times we find ourselves living in. This is the most spectacular time perhaps you'll ever have in your own lifetime to increase and improve your own personal walk with the Lord because you don't get to live off of anybody else's faith. You don't get to live through anybody else's experience, at least not too closely. We all have our family. We all have our bubbles. We all have our rules that we break and touch other people. But most of us, in fact, some of the more desperate of us, have found ourselves falling back to an empty place where we realized we really didn't have any spiritual depth. And without feeling guilty, without feeling deflated in any way, this is the, this is the best time, probably the best time again in your whole life that you'll ever have to reach out and find the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. And the way you do that is through the disciplines you practice, like online or in person with praise and worship. Maybe you got some praise and worship music going around the house. Those are good things, but there ought not to be a day that you don't spend a minute somewhere, even if it's not just in singing, it's just expressing the scripture back to him that you spend a moment worshiping God for yourself. You do this just like you read your Bible for yourself, not just what the preacher said or what somebody you heard online say. You have to read it for yourself and you have to learn how to pray. Did you ever notice in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus tells the parable about the, uh, about the unjust judge? Tells this parable, this woman is working her way through a place of petitioning this judge repeatedly, doesn't give up. Jesus says in the end, God's gonna speedily reward you. But then he seems to make a parenthetical thought there at the end. And he says in verse 6 or verse 8, I forget exactly where it's at. He makes a statement, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? This tells us all that prayer is a living component of faith. Not just prayer of need, not just prayer of want, but the kind of prayer that wrestles with Scripture the kind of prayer that wrestles with your own soul, the kind of prayer that invites God into your life so you can allow yourself to grow, to change, to be enlarged, and to be made different by your impact with Him. I've been a believer for 45 years, and I think I'm just now at a place where I've availed myself to those spiritual disciplines where I've grown, where I've developed. I mean, I was growing all along, but I'm at a place now that I wish I'd been at 30 years ago. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if it's got to do with maturity, but it certainly has to do with the way that you practice your Christianity. Your Christianity has to be practiced, and like anything that you learn, it has to be practiced a little bit beyond your own natural comfort levels. You don't become an expert Christian because you've been a Christian for 10,000 hours. You become an expert believer, you become an expert prayer, you become an expert worshiper, an expert with your, with your Bible because you've pushed yourself 
past your boundaries and learned and grown and found a place where you could meet God. That said, we're going to look at a simple portion of Scripture, one you all know very well, one that I've been practicing, one I've been praying since, oh, about 1957 or 1958 when we went to school and still did what was called the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer that Jesus taught His disciples. The more I read it, the more I realize that even when I was a little guy, we, we all said words we didn't understand, so I had no idea what trespass was, and I had no idea what kind of name hallowed was. I thought maybe it was German or something. I didn't know, but hallowed be your name. And I thought, well, man, I found out who God was. His name's hallowed. And so I didn't know what those words meant, and I've never lived into it in those days. But it's still, there's revelation comes in levels, comes in, comes in sections, it comes in pieces. And the more I read this, the more I realize that even if Jesus were not the Son of God, to have laid this out like this, and He was the Son of God, to have laid this out like this would make Him like the smartest human being that ever lived. Because this prayer covets every facet of your life, internally, externally, spiritually, relationally, physically. It covers every physical component of your prayer. And I have one thing that I really want to make clear, don't know how long it'll take, I got one big point that I want to make about how important it is, how very important it is to come to a place of forgiveness so God's forgiveness can flood into your life. So, we're going to read a few verses. First, verse uh, number 9, Jesus is in the middle of, maybe towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's talked to him about forgiveness once already, told him how you could know if you forgive other people. He said, you pray for them, you let your light shine on them, you water them with the, with the spirit that you've got. That's what Jesus did. He let his light shine on people. In chapter 5, he let his light shine on people. He talks about this. He let his spirit refresh people. And if you've really forgiven someone, if you've really forgiven something from your past, you can, you can pray for the individuals. I'm going to digress for a minute. Forgiveness isn't the greatest point that I want to bring out, but I'm going to digress. Jesus hangs on the cross, stretches out his arms, he's hanging there, and he says the most outlandish thing, Father, forgive them. This part we get, but then he says the outlandish part, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. Surely they knew what they did. Surely Pilate knew what he did when he condemned him. Surely, surely Caiaphas knew what he did when he said, it's recorded in the Gospel of John, you don't know anything at all. It's better for one man to perish than it is for the whole nation to perish. Besides that, we're going to lose our job. We're going to lose our respectability. He knew all of this. When they, when they brought their own narrative of truth, when they brought their own story to Pilate, they told the truth. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what would happen. Pilate knew exactly what would happen. They all knew exactly what the end story was. What they did not know was the effect of it. And I'm going to tell you that whoever did what to you, whomever did it, whatever you did to somebody else, you may have been aware that it was wrong. You may have been aware that uh, it wasn't necessary. It may have been clear in your mind that it was sinful. Whoever sinned against you, 
whomever you sinned against, nobody knew what kind of an effect it was going to have. Nobody knew that touching a small child physically that was five years old, seven years old, that touching that child would erode that child's confidence in authority, would erode that child's confidence in God, would erode that child's ability to have any self-respect or, or to feel good about themselves and would send that child on a, on a course of, of addictions and of perpetuated abuse. Nobody knew that. Nobody knew what the outcome would be. Nobody ever knows the outcome of sin. So you and I don't know what the outcome of sin is when, when we walk in unforgiveness, when we walk in bitterness. I don't know, maybe you have, but I've never seen anyone who was bitter that didn't start off in unforgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness go together. So that said, it's that part of the conversation is about you and the people around you. What I really want to zero in on is the part of the conversation that's about you and about God. So Jesus says in verse 9, Matthew chapter 6, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. I could talk about that for an hour. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or your name is hallowed. And maybe you've heard me say this before, none of this is rocket science, but but he starts off, Jesus in his prayer starts off wide and goes to the narrow part. So he says, the idea of this whole prayer is for your name to be glorified in all of the earth. We want the whole world to know who you are so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. And for that to happen, your kingdom has to come because they can't know your name, they can't hallow your name if they don't know your name. This prayer book ends with John chapter 17 where Jesus said, I've manifested your name to them. Nothing gets honored that isn't first known. So he says, hallowed be your name and for your name to be hallowed, for you to have premiership over the planet, for you to have premiership over every life and every circumstance of the world, then that means your kingdom has to come. And for your kingdom to come, for your rule and reign to be administered, then the first thing that has to be done beyond that is that your will has to be done. So when you do His will, it invokes His kingdom. When it invokes His kingdom, people look at you and say, huh, you should really be hateful and angry right now, but in point of fact, you're walking in love. Why is it exactly you do that? You say, because I live in a different world. I live in a different kingdom. I have different rules that govern me. And thank God He helps me live up to those things. So His kingdom is established in my own heart because I what I really want to come out of this deal is not for you to know me, not for you to know what I can do. What I really want to come out of this occasion right here is for you to know who the Father in Heaven actually is and for you to be able to revere Him, for you to be able to hallow His name because I hallow His name. Hallowed be your name doesn't mean God keep your name sanctified. It means may your name be sanctified in all of the earth. May your name be kept as holy in all of the earth. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm, easy, simple. Easy peasy as Jake says. Give us this day our daily bread because we're going to have to have some provision while we go on this march. And forgive us our debts as we also have, already I'm going to supply, 
forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, because temptation comes from not having forgiven our debtors. Temptation and destruction come from not having forgiven our debtors, and that tends to affect our provision, which affects our capacity to do His will, and it limits the kind of elements the kingdom shows in our life, and hallowed doesn't look very hallowed. So it all ties together. They're not just standalone thoughts, so they can be prayed and thought of as standalone thoughts. They're all tied together. He says, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. So now we get down to cases. The King James Version I prayed this from as a little boy and most of my young life was, forgive us our trespasses. I've got a Weymouth translation at home. Many of you may have too. You probably should if you don't, but if you can find it online, it's there too. And it says, it says, forgive us, forgive us our failure in duty. Excuse me. Forgive, for, forgive us as we have forgiven those who failed in our duty, their duty towards us. Forgive us our, our small transgressions. Something close to that anyway. The idea is right here, there's a debt. There's trespasses, but there's a huge world in there. Now, when I used to pray that prayer as a little boy, I thought that meant, Father, forgive me of my sins, just like I've forgiven others of their sins, so I don't have to go talk to them about what they did. I thought it was about me and them. But the truth of it is, is he's saying, you have to forgive others around you. You have to forgive them of the debts they owe you. You have to forgive them of the murder trespasses. And a trespass, a debt, something somebody owes you. A trespass is when someone goes someplace in your life they shouldn't. That's what trespass means. A trespass means when someone doesn't recognize the boundaries and they go too far into your life than what they should have. I myself have gone places I should not go in other people's lives. I've had people come into my lives and take liberties and gone farther than they should have gone. I've had people come into my lives and, and go into places in my life they shouldn't have gone. I've gone into lives and done this. I've had people come into my life and do this. I've had people who have failed in their duty towards me. I have people who have had shortcomings towards me. I have failed in my duty to others by having gone too far, by having gone places I shouldn't have gone. I failed in my duty by not going places I should have gone. I didn't trespass in that I went too far. I failed by not going far enough. And, you, and that, that's in every level. That's, that's in my marriage, that's in my family, that's in my ministry, that's in my church. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I talked about the wrong things I shouldn't have talked about. I went farther than what I needed to go. I went farther than where the grace and the anointing was. Sometimes I, because I didn't think they would hear it, I didn't talk about what I should have talked about. I failed in my duty. And sometimes I stood by and watched them over a period of years. I watched their lives denigrate, degrade, to come to a complete place of failure. 
and then stood there like I was a spiritual giant because I'd watched it happen and knew that it was going to happen, but yet had done nothing to intervene and correct it. Well, here's the thing. People have done this to me. I've done this to them. For, for me to be able to walk in forgiveness towards them, I have to forgive I have to forgive what they've done to me, and I hope that they forgive what I've done or what I've not done to them. But this isn't just a one-directional prayer. It's not just a two-directional prayer. It's not me and you, you and me. It's me towards you, you towards me, and me towards God. Because what it's actually saying in its most simple form is, is this. It's saying, if I don't forgive Jean for not being in my life what she should have been. Jean's not always been in my life what I thought she should have been. If I don't forgive Jean for going places in my life she shouldn't have gone, if I don't forgive Jean for not having gone far enough or having gone too far, if I don't forgive Jean's trespasses, if I don't forgive the debts that Jean incurred or Jean incurred from me, or where I've, I've abused the relationship, if I don't recognize boundaries and respect them, spiritual boundaries, God's boundaries, then what ends up happening, if I don't release it here, then I've got the same issues with God. Because somewhere along the line, He is beckoning me into His will. He's beckoning me day by day, moment by moment, into His kingdom, so that His own name is glorified on all the earth. And so He says, come here with me. I have, I have something I want you to do. I have something I want you to do, so come here with me. And if I say, uh, I can't do that. That's too much. You're asking too much of me. I am stuck because I need for God to forgive me for where I did not go in Him when I should have. I need God to forgive me for the times that I've presumed His will and His mind and gone farther than what I should have. Whether it's in a conversation with someone else or, or in a piece of revelation He gives me, if I've gone farther, if I've heard a word and made a sentence out of it, if I've heard a sentence and made a paragraph out of it, then I've gone too far. I've added to what He said, and I need to be forgiven of that. Because if I go through my life and I'm all right with you, but I'm not all right with God. If I go through my life and I don't watch whether I'm all right with you or not, I cannot be all right with God. If I don't make it right with you, God will not make it right with me without me fixing this so He can say, you, you lagged, you didn't go where you were supposed to go. You held back. I had things for you that are going to be, that you're going to be judged for. You went too far. You went places you should not have gone. You went into other arenas you shouldn't have lived in. I need that forgiveness from God. So I say a lot to myself. I say, I forgive. I forgive those who failed in their duty towards me. I forgive those who didn't come far enough, their shortcomings, when they weren't everything they were supposed to be. I forgive those 
who trespassed and walked into my life without being invited and went farther than where they were supposed to go. I forgive those who had a prescription for my life and who came into my life and, and involved themselves in my life in arenas that weren't right, in areas where they wanted to control or point or lead me or make me into something after their own image, even, even if they were noble and thought it was God. I forgive those who didn't. I forgive those who didn't go far enough. I forgive those who went too far because I prize my relationship with the Lord above every earthly relationship. And I don't want any of my failures in duty, any of my lack of commitment, any of my self-aggrandizement, perseverance of going too far, my taking things unto myself, I don't want any of that to muddy up the relationship that I have with Him because at the end of it all, it's not how I see myself that causes me to achieve as well. It's how He sees me and I have to be prepared to adapt to who He is in His point of view. I don't know that I've done a good job of this, to be honest with you. But the truth of it is, is that right there in the book, you can catch the spirit of it yourself and know and come to understand that this is just an extension. Your extension out here is an extension of this. And if you let this be spotty, gapped. Some of you watching, I know this is true. I've done this myself. It's got to be true. You might think things are okay with you and other people, but that's simply because you've cut those people out of your life. You might think things are not bad because you don't have any feelings of violence or hostility. You can go back to Matthew 5 and take the acid test yourself. Can you pray for them? when they persecute you, when they've offended you, when they've taken from you, can you not, not, not pray about them? Not pray like God, get them. Pray for them. Pray for the kingdom of God to come into their life. Can you pray this prayer? Can you pray that their needs would be met? When they kept your money, can you pray that their needs would be met? When they didn't forgive you, can you pray for them to be forgiven? It's a thought. Can you let your light shine instead of ignoring them and avoiding them? Can you let the truth that God's given you be poured out onto them whether they accept it or not? Knowing that they might not want what you say anyway, but can you share with them the light and the life that God's given you? Can you from your refreshed spirit give them a drink of water so that they have some life to be drawn into themselves. Even though you know that they might not like the flavor of your water, can you give them a drink of water? Well, if you have, you're good, you're great. You're great and you have nothing standing in between you and the eternal. And you do not want anything standing between you and the eternal. Father, we're so grateful for your grace, for your mercy, for your loving kindness that you pour into our lives. Forgive us all for not having gone far enough. Forgive us for having gone places we shouldn't in our relationship with you, just as we've forgiven those who failed in their duty, just as we've forgiven those 
who went too far into our lives or went in places they should not. We release them. We release them not particularly because we like them, we bless them, we love them. We do all this not because we think it's just a rule you've mandated so that we'll behave properly. We do this because we know that we cannot afford to have anything standing between us and yourself because we cannot have, afford to have anything missing between us and you. Restore us, lead us, guide us into the full relationship that you've called us to with you that we may make a difference here on the earth for your glory and for your honor that your name would be known forever and in every place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.